Oh, what was I thinking? I totally forgot to ask you the number one question. What is going on, everyone? My name is Grace Curtolo, and this is the fourth episode of She's Got Balls. Today is Monday, July 20th, and we have our second ever guest. I had an awesome chat with Tanner Dietrich, who is on Nashville FC and the MLS. We are also going to be going through game recaps, pregame details, league news, return to play updates, and more. Last week, we spoke with Emily Boyd on Chicago Red Stars NWSL team, and we had a great chat with her about the Challenge Cup bubble out in Utah. If you missed that, be sure to go check it out. Before I get into the game recaps, I am so excited to share the music in today's podcast is by the amazing band called Tropidelic. My good buddy Rex is on the drums in this super fun band, so please be sure to check them out on Instagram at Tropidelic, and I will also put the link tropidelic.com in the description below. Here we go. Going into game recaps from this past week. Starting off, we have the MLS. Last Monday, the LA Galaxies tied the Houston Dynamo 3-3. On Tuesday, July 14th, Chicago Fire beat Seattle Sounders 2-1. And on Saturday, it was the battle of the LA teams with LA Galaxy and LAFC. And the fight was given to LAFC after they came out with a big 6-2 win. In the first half, the LA Galaxy had a penalty kick, and the LAFC goalie shut it down, but then there was a redo because the goalie was off his line too early, and the Galaxy had another opportunity to have a free kick and punched it in. The LAFC co-owner, Will Farrell talked at halftime, and mind you, this is at 11 30 p.m on a saturday night he brought out his ricky bobby helmet from talladega nights movie and if you want to see more of that check it out on our instagram she's got balls podcast going into the second half though it was tied two to two but the lafc dominated the second half and came up on top six to two on the nwsl side the women's league on monday they had their final two regular season games to set the bracket Rain and Portland Thorn tied 0 to 0 and the North Carolina Courage beat Sky Blue 2 to 0. On Friday, the quarterfinals began and since Orlando City didn't get to participate in the tournament because of COVID, all eight were able to go in the knockout stage. This is crazy. There were four games and only one goal in total across all four games. The first game of the knockout was Portland Thorns beating North Carolina Courage 1 to 0. And then the next three games all ended up in a tie, zero to zero. So very little action if you did not get to watch those games. Going into the pregame details, we are actually getting more and more sports coming. So get ready. It's not going to be just soccer anymore. However, this is the last week of MLS regular season, or as they like to call it, group play. Knockout round starts this Saturday, July 25th, and tomorrow or Tuesday, Atlanta United will play Columbus Crew at 8 p.m. Then there's going to be three games on Wednesday. 9 a.m., 8 p.m., and 10.30 p.m. And there'll be no games 
this Friday as the knockout rounds begin on Saturday. On the women's side in the NWSL, the semifinals are this Wednesday. Portland will go up against the Houston Dash and Chicago Red Stars will play Sky Blue FC. And then the winner of both matches will go against each other for the championship game on July 26th. And you can catch that game on CBS. This week is also finally the opening day for Major League Baseball. Bless up. Opening day is going to be this Thursday, and the Yankees will play the Nationals at 7 p.m. with the Giants and LA Dodgers following them at 10 p.m. Thursday is just going to be the Kickstarter to a bunch of baseball games coming up. And saving the best for last is the Premier Lacrosse League, PLL. Finally have the best sport ever back in the picture. They are starting their games this Saturday out in Salt Lake City. And you can catch all of their games on NBC. That's all of our game recaps from last week and pregame details for this coming up week. We are going to bring on our second guest of the She's Got Balls podcast. Today, we have Tanner Dietrich from the MLS on Nashville SC. Tanner is a Nashville native and just graduated this past December from Clemson. Before he got to Clemson, Tanner was able to represent the U.S. in the 2015 FIFA U-17 World Cup in Chile. So let's jump right into my conversation with Tanner. Hi, Tanner. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? And where are you actually right now? I'm good. I'm I'm chilling at home here in Nashville, Tennessee. So we safely arrived back into our home market on uh, Monday morning. For the people that don't know already, you play for Nashville FC and your team went to Orlando just like everyone else. But you guys started to settle in and everything. And then what exactly happened? Yeah, so we traveled down there and uh, upon arriving in travel, actually, we had a series of positive tests and then kind of due to protocols and different things, we weren't able to train at all, actually. We were quarantined in our rooms, and then the league made a decision to uh, withdraw us from the tournament, similar to what kind of what happened with Dallas. We were kind of tracking on their timeline and everything. So, yeah, it was uh, pretty unfortunate, and it's kind of the reality of the situation. And, I mean, it's it's all you take it with a grain of salt because you're healthy. Right, That which is the most important thing. So you didn't even get to train because there was positive cases before even getting there. Yeah, so once, we, once you enter into the bubble, you have to have a certain number amount of negative negatives before you can get out and train. All right, that first test, we had some positives. So we uh, had to quarantine and that was the beginning of the quarantine period. With the MLS and cases are definitely going down in comparison from the beginning when everyone got into the bubble. How do you think the MLS is handling the health and safety of all the players? Did you feel safe when you didn't need to quarantine when you were there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're doing everything that they possibly can to make it as safe and healthy. And then also kind of they're doing everything possible too to like make sure guys still have social lives and whatnot and like aren't just stuck in their rooms. So, you know, I, I and I, it's a hard task. I mean, I think the NBA is going through it right now. And yeah, I think everyone's going to have to go through it to some degree. But I mean, it's you're asking so much to, of these leagues and players and everyone involved to quarantine in a bubble for a certain period of time. So, but I mean, I felt safe and and everything. I mean, obviously there's a certain type of anxiety when you have teammates getting positive tests. Like you're like, am I going to be next? I mean, they did a great job in managing it. And I mean, we had proper protocols. We had doctors from our team. 
team helping us out too, getting on Zoom calls and kind of explaining what was happening. It was very well managed and, and everything. So, I mean, really no complaints. It's just kind of really just bad timing and unfortunate events that we had so many positive tests. So, I mean, it's, it's tough. Can't even imagine just working so hard and getting to that point and then just having outside circumstances take it over. When you were in the bubble for that short period of time, what was it like knowing that all of the best soccer players in the MLS was under the same roof? It was really cool. Yeah. I mean, we we got to go and, and pick up our food like the first like two days we were down there. So we got to walk from our rooms to our meal room and just the aura being around it. You know, you see the videos and everyone arriving and I've had a lot of buddies on from past national teams and guys I've played with that I got to see. So it's really cool. It's really fun. It's kind of like back at like youth tournaments, you know, we're hearing about that player on that team that scored this many goals. You're like getting to see him and you're like, oh, like I hope I see you later on stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it was fun. And I've played at Disney before for youth tournaments too. So right. there's a lot of nostalgia going on. I was like, this is kind of wild. Yeah, did you feel like you were back at a youth tournament? This is crazy. Like, where's mom and dad? Like, you know, <laughs> it was fun though. I mean, it's it's weird to see the the complex on TV. And it's really it's. I played on those fields too in lacrosse training, and I'm just like, I guess I guess I'm an equal now, right? Since I played on that. It, yeah, well, that's what uh, one of my old youth coaches gave me a call and was like trying to lift my spirits a little bit. And he goes, it was really cool seeing guys that we now admire as soccer players in this world that you guys used to play on the same feels us like i remember when i think we were like u12 or u13 we had a game on espn2 on on one of the fields that is like a game field and it's like it's funny now that that's so cool that's one day you know what i mean like that's really cool and having even just players on your team coming from all over the world that's my kind of biggest question what's it like to play with players from all different countries but also different languages is there a language barrier yeah i mean uh, there's naturally but you know i think kind of in the game of soccer a lot of stuff is kind of like universal like what you're communicating and but i mean yeah i mean in the locker room it's it's also really cool and you know brian beckles he's a honduran national team guy and he's played in world cups like he's he's like a true pretty much a legend really in the game and like a lot of people don't realize that but i mean it's you learn so much from him but he's also like doesn't speak english but he's like the funniest guy ever he's so fun to be around in the locker room he's a great guy and and then it's like anibal godoy who's panamanian national team player who i mean he's a quality player in the league and you learn so much from him and he speaks both languages and i mean there's a lot of guys in the locker room and so it's super diverse and you have and it's part of the beauty of soccer too i think like it's so much fun getting to see different backgrounds and where people came from and yeah it's fun i I love it that's one of the best things about soccer in my opinion is there a little struggle with the coaches though trying to communicate different plays or anything it's pretty funny we have a pretty very english staff and it's pretty funny just watching them trying to explain some defensive tactics to brian beckley but we have a couple guys who translate for our coaching staff oh there you go they'll he'll kind of like when we're doing team talks and stuff they'll he'll sit next to the guys who speak spanish and he'll be like kind of translating as he goes along so we find ways to make it work going back a little bit in your high school career you played your first year in nashville in your hometown and your dad was your coach so what was it like having your dad as a coach when you're trying to take it super seriously it's interesting you're coming back in the same roof and like if you play back you're like oh crap like this is gonna be bad but uh but no it's really fun me and my dad have a great relationship he's one of my like best mentors and a guy that's like my best friend and also my dad and so that definitely helped and there was definitely some times where I got yelled at I got kicked out of training a couple times too but yeah so I mean it's but it's it's all part of it I guess did you call him dad or coach uh it depended on the situation (laughs) oh I'm gonna now that you asked that like I think I just stayed away from it all in general now that you say that didn't say anything 
I, I mean, I think I laid low. He, my dad has this famous whistle and only I know like this famous whistle. So I knew if he whistled, he was talking to me and I, so I could mm-hmm. just respond back to him and everyone knew that it was just between us. But yeah, I think I stayed away from that. Yeah. I think I usually call him, I call my dad Papa D kind of bridge the gap a little bit where right. it was dad, but it wasn't coach too. But no, nah, my, my dad's like a legend too. And so it's, it's really funny. Like everyone in Nashville knows me as coach Dietrich's son. Induction to the hall of fame. He's gotten the lifetime achievement awards. He's a, he's the guy you should be interviewing really. So after one year of going to high school and playing for your dad, you ended up going down to IMG Academy. How did that happen? And how did you decide to leave your hometown? Just to kind of keep it light. I, I played club soccer and at the time the best soccer for my age group was in the developmental academy, which is the called the DA. And I was always trying to find a way to get in there. And I had played for the national team from the U14s and U15s and kind of like I wanted to get more exposure to them and, and try and play on the national team and everything. So I was looking for a developmental academy to play for. And then come sophomore year of high school, I actually got invited to go down to the U.S. Uh, men's national team residency program for the under 17 age group. So I was down there from sophomore to senior year of high school, uh, training with the U17s uh, and preparing for the under 17 World Cup, which was like, to say I peaked in high school is such an understatement. It was the time of our lives. So Once you finished IMG and with the national team, you go on to Clemson. Was that helpful to be in that environment going into a college program? The soccer was, I mean, top level, obviously playing with the national team. You're not going to get anything better than that. So I think soccer wise, it developed me and put me in a great position to go into Clemson and like truly contribute. But I think also being on the national team, you're, you were, we were in a pro environment and like we were like treated as pros. And so I think it really taught you a lot and matured us a lot in this, in like the off field aspects of things. So, you know, how do you handle yourself when you get sick and mom and dad are around and how are you eating? You know, you don't have mom telling you where you're going to dinner cooking you dinner like you got to make those choices yourself so i think that like heavily prepared me in ways that i i didn't really realize until i got there and kind of saw my teammates and i was like whoa like y'all got a lot of growing up to do like bojangles is gonna he's gonna bite you in the butt come like mid-season so but no, it was really it was it was good even though that might not even be related to soccer like you said just that off-field environment and really living on your own is actually something that you need to learn to do when you're fortunate to have such a supportive family it sounds like you wanted to go pro and you were expecting to go pro. Did that change your college experience at all, having that mindset? I think I was one of, out of like 30 guys on the national team roster, I was one of like six guys to not go pro. We had a like really impressive roster and like it, it definitely motivated me and it like kind of pissed me off in a way that I wasn't one of those guys that was getting looked at. And so I was, you know, I had a little chip on my shoulder going into college and I wanted to prove myself and that like I was capable of playing at that level and whatnot. I actually got named captain my sophomore year. So, you know, I was trending in the right direction. And then junior year, we kind of had a pretty bad season for our standard. Didn't make the term or anything, which is like unheard of. And I honestly thought that like my career was like kind of over and I was just going to have a nice senior season and kind of ride off into the sunset and call it a day with my soccer career. But we actually came out and had an insane senior campaign and kind of got me back on the map for a lot of people. And main one being Nashville, kind of being a Nashville guy, they really wanted me to kind of do 
do well and find a place here in Nashville and was in talks with the, the general manager and some front office staff. And luckily all the chips fell in the right direction. But yeah, I mean, I will be honest, there was a time in college where I was like pretty convinced that I wasn't playing pro and I was like job hunt. I was grinding on LinkedIn and the whole nine yards. I mean, I was like pretty set on it. So I don't think people realize like how tough it, it really is, especially when you're a senior in college and like you're draft eligible. You're like, wow, more people pass on their picks in the draft than they do take players in the MLS. And like, once you get there, you also have to make the team and it's a tough go and it's hard. So, I mean, I was like, there's no chance this is happening. I'm just going to ride off into the sunset, call it a day and be a, be a college hero and let it, let it stand there. So last two questions here, probably the most important question I have to ask a soccer player last night I don't know if you were watching the LAFC game and the LA Galaxy game for example the LAFC player got pushed very casually and fell flapped everywhere did the whole nine as a lacrosse player and an athlete if I get pushed I'm like hell no get right back up screw you for soccer it is you get touched and you fall and it takes you about three minutes to get up can you please explain why is that a thing across the board not just mls i think there's i think there's like two sides of it i think there's like there's one side that's definitely like you guys are being really soft like yeah the announcer even said something even though the announcers are very calm he was like oh that was not necessary i don't think he got hit that hard yeah i i think that there's definitely part of it where you definitely are like come on man like that's that's pretty bad but people don't realize like on the other side of it that free kicks and set pieces in soccer are like one of the main ways that you score if you go across the all the league set pieces is accounts for almost a quarter of the amount of goals that you score in a season can you clarify for people maybe like me that don't know what set pieces yeah like a like a free kick so i could think of like a corner kick or like when you get fouled and you get to like put it in the box and like uh pks like all those types of things like where there's a stop play and you get to like cross it from that from a dead ball situation well i mean it is somewhat of like a kind of like a smart idea to if you around the box and you get pushed go down there's a good chance that you're going to be able to like not just get a chance off that but also put pressure on them because you know they have to defend it it's also a strategy if you're getting dominated and they're just like totally putting pressure on you your forward gets a foul I mean, you can take like two minutes and just kill the momentum of, of the other team. And That's a like, good point. Watching it, it sucks. It's like, oh my God, like if this guy falls again and scream, I'm going to lose my ish. But there's also like more to it. It's like, wow, that was a really smart idea to fall down right there. But you know, that's the more intricate. No, that's a, gr- that's a great answer, actually, that. All right. So now that you are back home. What's kind of next? Do you get to watch the MLS and as a fan or are you just pissed and not watch it at all? Yeah, <laughs> my parents were asking me that same question. Like, are you going to watch the games? And I was like, so I'm I'm pretty anti right now. Like, I'm I'm pretty pissed. Still off. fresh. Frustrating, like knowing how close you were and especially how hard we were. We put in like a month and a half worth of work for preseason leading up to the first week. And then two weeks into the season, we stop and we don't do anything for three months and then we come back and put like another month and a half work piece of work in to get ready for this tournament and then it's just taken from us so I mean it's it's really tough and so but I, I will say I have watched some games that my friends have been playing in I, I'll, I'll turn them on and, and root for them and give them crap for how bad they're playing and stuff like that <laughs> completely understandable and like you just said you're doing all this training to get to this point and then get it kind of just taken away from you are you now just eating all of the ice cream and candy 
maybe you can, or how do you balance that? Okay. When is it time to go back to training? Yeah. So we're, we're planning to start back on Monday. Oh, Lordy. Yeah. So once kind of all of our testing and stuff gets kind of squared away and, and we get the go ahead from the league, we're going to, we're going to start training again and kind of start gearing back up for whatever comes after this tournament. We're, we're it's funny. We're joking. Like this is preseason number three of, of season. So are you a professional soccer player living at home with your parents since you're back in Nashville? Yeah. You are? Absolutely. I mean, it's too good of a setup, right? Like you're saving money and you're living at home. You get home cooked meals and you get the comforts of your own home. I mean, it's nice. I actually live probably 10 minutes away from our training facility. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's the dream setup over here. Don't don't get mistaken. You know, as people think. I wear it with pride. The most important question out here. I am currently in Orlando, miles away from the MLS hotel and where they're playing. What is your best advice on how I can infiltrate the bubble? This is off the record, obviously. So don't quote me on this, but I would say get all Adidas stuff. You got to be wearing all Adidas and you got to somehow find your way to get like some type of badge looking thing. You need to find the the true MLS face mask that all the MLS. Oh, that's that's going to be a tough one. And then I think you're good. I mean, I think like you're going on a run and all of a sudden you just end up back on campus and then Ooh, a run. I hate, hate, hate running, but that just casually just happened to be running through. All of a sudden, you just find your path on the swan and dolphin path. And then next thing you know, you're in the hotel lobby. And if you look the part, I, like now keep in mind, I wasn't, there wasn't much foot traffic for us down there. So I don't know how strict they are. We were, we were in our rooms like the whole time. So I wouldn't say that it's totally out there for you to not be able to sneak on. And I think it would be hilarious, but please do not tell anyone that I said that. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Tanner. Good luck with your preseason three and living at home with your parents and good luck with everything. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, party people. Now we have the return to play updates and league news. Starting off with the MLS, July 25th to July 28th is going to be the knockout stage. So that's going to be a round of 16. So there's six groups and the top two teams of each group will be moving forward automatically. And then there will be four wild cards for the rest of the team. There's already been some teams that have from group A, it is closed out with Orlando and Philly. And in group E is Columbus Crew. And then from group F is the Portland Thorns. So the rest of the teams will compete this week in order to see who will move on. On the women's side, as I mentioned earlier, this week is their last week of play in the season. And I also want to point out something I said last week, how the WNBA is allowing moms to to bring their children, but also the NWSL was allowing that also. There are five moms that are in the tournament and some of them did decide to bring their kids. Moving on to a football with the NFL, we definitely have some tea, as they like to call it on TikTok, or gossip for the NFL this week. First, we're going to start with the hashtag we want to play. This hashtag has been trending on Twitter with different players urging the NFL to listen to experts about guidelines on safety for opening camps with no plan in place. And there's just no clear guidelines for the players that they feel comfortable going back with. Now, specifically with the hot mess over at the Washington Redskins, or for right now, we're just going to call the 
Washington NFL team because they officially announced that they will retire their team name and logo. To add a little more fire to the mix, on Thursday, 15 different women who worked for the Washington team alleged sexual harassment by employees. And I was listening to a interview with one of the victims and she sat outside the executive offices and they would see her cry, they would see her belittled, and they did nothing about it. So I really hope that even though they're bringing in their own investigation and lawyers for this, that the NFL will clean this up and take care of it because that is not a healthy work environment. That's all that's going on currently with the NFL. Stay tuned for more. But with the MLB, this week is the opening day finally for some baseball. Opening day is this Thursday, July 23rd. Okay, listen to this. I I can't believe people aren't talking about it more. The Toronto Blue Jays currently have no home field. The city of Toronto approved it and then Ontario approved it. But then once it got to the federal level, the country of Canada denied cross-border travel. So now they currently have two options to play all of their games for this season, either their spring training site down in Florida or at the AAA field in Buffalo, New York at Salem's Field right downtown. However, that might be an issue because it is a smaller clubhouse and really interested to see what's going to happen in baseball because there's no bubble and they're going to be traveling like they normally do which is very shocking to me so we will see how that goes and yes there are health and safety protocols but since they're not quarantine or isolating themselves I'm curious to see what's going to happen especially when there are positive test results and you can't deny that that is definitely going to happen it's bound to happen that there's going to be positive cases We're bouncing on over to the NBA here. The teams are starting to get pretty comfortable in their Disney bubble as they've been fishing and definitely looks like they're just trying to make the best of their situation. Rookie star Zion Williams this week had to leave campus for a family emergency and plans on returning. However, when he returns, he is going to have to go through multiple protocols to ensure safety of himself and others. Hopefully, whatever the emergency was with his family, that they are all safe and will be okay. The league is going to be continuing this week training and will start playing games next week. On the women's side with the WNBA, the Washington Mystics forward Elena Deladon, who is one of the WNBA's highest profile players and reigning MVP, has been fighting an ongoing battle with Lyme disease. So she was advised by her personal physician that she was at high risk for contracting and having complications with COVID-19. So she decided decided that she was going to opt out of this year's season. After discussing this with the league, a panel of doctors convened by the league and the WNBA Players Association denied her exemption, which would have allowed her to sit out without giving up her salary, which is crazy. So she wrote a Players Tribune essay saying, in quotes, I'm now left with two choices. I can either risk my life or forfeit my paycheck. She also wrote that she takes 64 pills a day in order to control or at least try to control her Lyme disease and still play basketball at the same time. The Mystics later announced that she will be on the team's roster and will be paid even if she does not end up playing. So that is very 
good to hear and unfortunately had to be that way, but at least in the end, she is still getting paid. A little bit disappointing to hear inside the WNBA bubble, there has been some nasty pictures taken inside some of the housing. Now, to be clear, this isn't from all the housing, since players did have different options of how they wanted to live inside the bubble. However, this still does not make this okay. There's a video of their laundry room, and it's very awful, with a mousetrap. And there was also a picture going around. You can see it on our Instagram stories of just gross food that they are being fed. And there was also a picture of a worm inside someone's bedroom. Ooh, that gives me the heebie-jeebies just knowing that these professional athletes are out there in these kind of environments. Scooting on over to the NHL, the NHL reported into training camp last week in each of their respected towns, and the clubs are set to travel to the hub cities July 26th. All of the teams in the West that are playing will go to Edmonton, while everyone in the East will be playing in Toronto. Once again, ending with the best sport ever is lacrosse, the PLL, Premier Lacrosse League. Everyone traveled to Salt Lake City, Utah yesterday, and it's going to be a quick turnaround for them. The group play is going to begin this Saturday, July 25th. Not much of a turnaround for the players, so they're going to have to adapt quickly to the altitude change and get used to being together again. All seven teams will be playing four games, including their newest team, the Water Dogs. So make sure you check them out if you haven't done so yet. We're going to end our lovely episode with Hoot and the Hollers, sports content feature of the week, and a little bit of pop culture. So for the Hoot Hoots and the Hollers this week, we are actually going to go back to last week's mention of San Antonio Spurs player Patty Mills. I just want to dive a little deeper into Patty Mills' story. So Patty Mills, as mentioned, is in San Antonio's Spurs player and is going to play in Orlando. However, he is going to donate his entire salary, which is over $1 million, to different groups focused around the Black Lives Matter movement. Patty is from Australia, and him and his family have heard a lot of racist words directed to them in Australia, not because he was actually black necessarily, but because he comes from an indigenous Australian family. Back in 2018, he was playing in an NBA game and was shooting some free throw shots, and he heard racist taunts from fans. Sadly, since he was so used to that in Australia, it didn't face him much. However, he did tweet it out the situation and wanted to show children how he personally dealt with racist situations without using violence. Coincidentally, Mills hosted 75 Black and Hispanic students the following day at the San Antonio Museum of Art. I think it was really important to bring this up because racism is everywhere and it needs to be recognized across the world. Mills plans on donating his salary directly to the Black Lives Matter Australia, Black Deaths in Custody, and a newer campaign called We Got You, which is dedicated to ending racism in sports in Australia. So thank you so much, Patty Mills. You get 500 hoot toots and a hollers from us over here, and we are so appreciative of your work. The sports content feature of the week is the amazing ESPN Last Dance, 10-part documentary about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls run. You might think 10 parts is a lot if you have not seen this yet, but I guarantee you it will blow you away. That is definitely something you have to watch as soon as possible, basketball fan or not. 
adding a little bit of sports and pop culture this week. Last week, the Sports Illustrated 2020 Swimsuit Edition came out and one of the cover models was the first ever transgender woman who is absolutely gorgeous and looks amazing. And also another thing to know, New Era Cap Company is releasing its rights to the Buffalo Bills Stadium. And even though their contract is not up yet, COVID hit them so hard and they need to save money, including laying off 150 employees after they already furloughed a bunch of employees. So the Buffalo Bills Stadium is going to be up for naming rights. So we will see what comes next. So that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you once again, Tanner, for speaking with us. Just a reminder, please subscribe and leave a review. We would really, really appreciate it. And make sure you are also following us on Instagram at She's Got Balls Podcast. If you want me to talk about anything in particular or have any feedback for me, please DM me there. Also to follow my personal pages, my Instagram and TikTok are both at Grace Curatolo. Thank you so much, everyone. Have an amazing week and we'll see you next time.